The scripture reading today is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thursday is Thanksgiving, and so our theme today is thankfulness. In our house this year, uh, Marianne, my wife, organized a, uh, a Thanksgiving board which she does pretty regularly, actually. It's actually on our pantry door. The door is covered with sticky notes. And on each note, someone in our family has written something that they're thankful for. Whenever a a thought of gratitude pops into one of our children's minds, they can go and write it down on the sticky note and boom, plaster it to our pantry door. So every time one of us goes into the pantry, which is very frequently for our 12, 10, and 9-year-olds or 8-year-olds and uh, look for something to eat, we can see this ever-increasing list of notes and be reminded of all we have to be grateful for in life. Uh, I think this has been really an especially important practice for me anyway this year. What would go on your Thanksgiving board this year? Are you living, are you living your life with daily gratitude? We're closing up this four-week mini-series on a puzzling year, Lessons from 2020. And this has just been a perplexing time, has it not? Um, We've faced, and and, and we continue to face, uh, a multitude of challenges. Uh, But one of the things we've been trying to do in this series is remember what an opportunity this year is for countercultural, upside-down, kingdom-of-God people to make the love of God and the reality of God's grace known. How Christians respond to crisis, how Christians respond to challenge should be one of the main ways that the world sees the beauty of the gospel. So how are you responding? This series has been an attempt to help us think about how we should be responding and and perhaps what God is teaching. We've looked at the idea of control. Are you grappling for control or are you trusting God? We looked at the idea of friendship. Are you reaching out into friendship? Or are you isolating yourself? We've looked at the idea of allegiance. Are you counting the cost of allegiance to Jesus? Or are you wavering? And one more question today. One more lesson. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? Or are you becoming bitter and resentful? Thankfulness, it's, it's a topic that's found often in the scriptures. And we're going to look at just this very single verse from Paul in his letter to the Thessalonian church, 518, in which he encourages the Christians there to give thanks, to be grateful in all circumstances. And and Paul makes this exhortation to them in the middle of chapter five, which is like this big hodgepodge of commands and encouragements and reminders that make up the end of 1 Thessalonians. It's as if Paul's saying, and one more thing, oh, and one more thing, oh, and one more thing. Or because he's writing a letter, it's a PS and then a PPS and then a PPPS here in 1 Thessalonians 5 before he sets down his pen. So let's consider the word of God and what it has for us today regarding thankfulness by looking at this one verse in three parts. The command, the context, the conclusion. Okay, three C's. My Southern Baptist roots are coming out here. The command, the context, the conclusion. First, The command. That's probably the first and the foremost thing to see about this verse. It is a command. Literally, the verse can be translated in everything, give thanks. That's not a suggestion from God speaking to us in the scriptures. That is a commandment from God. 
Thankfulness and gratitude are a part of our obedience to Jesus Christ. If you're here and you claim faith, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you are asked by him then to live a life of gratitude. And so if that's true, the reverse is also the case. Thanklessness and ingratitude are disobedience. They're sinful. You can't really see this in the English, but in the original language, it's obvious that this command is plural as well. It's not singular. In other words, this isn't just a command to me, Luke, individually, or to you individually. It's a command for how we are to live together as God's people. Thankfulness is to define our collective lives together. Thankfulness is to define our collective lives together. Do you believe that? One of the things, if you have children, that you've likely said to your kids, when someone gives them something, you'll ask your kids a question. Well, what do you say? But really, it's a command disguised as a question. You want your kids to say, thank you, sir, or thank you, ma'am. That's the way of a gentleman or a gentleman or a gentlewoman. I guess that's a word. And, uh, but of course we know it's, it's not really a question that we're asking as parents. It's something we're training our children in. Here, there's not even a disguise. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is attempting to train us as God's people to be marked by thanksgiving. So why is this the case? Can you think about that with me for a moment? Why would thankfulness be an aspect of our obedience as Christ followers? Why would it be one of our main responses to God? Well, one obvious answer is that Christians perhaps, uh, or well, that most of us probably as Christians would give, is, is that we have so many things to be thankful for. Um, so many things that have been given to us by God our Father. And, and certainly that is true. We owe everything to God. Our lives, our health, our security, our salvation. We have forgiveness of sins. We have life in Jesus Christ. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit among us. So praise God for that. Thank you, Lord for your grace to us. That's one reason to give him thanks, just a simple recognition of what he's done for us. However, however, I want to take it back one step further with you. Thankfulness, thankfulness is, perhaps along with prayer, the main way that we acknowledge that we live in God's world. It's one of the many, uh, well, really one of the primary reflexes of the spiritual life. One of the primary reflexes of faith in God, thanksgiving, when we're expressing gratitude, we are inherently acknowledging our dependence on God. And therefore, we're inherently acknowledging in thankfulness the fact that God is. So one of the main marks of a godless life, one of the main marks of an atheistic life is ingratitude is thanklessness. The Apostle Paul writes about that in Romans chapter 1, which we looked at at the beginning of this year. He's describing the life of unbelief, the life of rebellion against God. And he says about those who are in rebellion against God, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So unless you believe in God and are following the law of God, there's no reason to be thankful. Ingratitude is a mark of unbelief. Remember the story 
of the ten lepers in Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 17, Jesus, as he is wont to do, approaches these lepers who were social outcasts in that society. They were ostracized from community. But Jesus always loved them. And in this instance, he heals ten of them. And the ten lepers walk away, and after a moment, only one of the ten comes back and says thank you to Jesus. And Jesus responds in Luke 17 by saying this, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go away. Your faith has made you well. There's a clear connection there in Jesus's mind between an expression of faith and a willingness to be thankful. I do think this is worth thinking about this morning. Maybe if you're here and you're not following Christ, if you're considering the claims of Jesus, or if you just straight up disagree with Christianity, I think an important question for you to ask is how do you, based on your beliefs and based on your own view of the world, how do you account for feelings of thankfulness really at all? How can you account for the gratitude that inevitably you're going to feel from time to time? If you don't believe in God, who do you thank for your life? There's really no one to thank, even when you feel like you should. That, I think, is one of the most compelling things about Christianity. The Christian faith accounts for gratitude by the inevitable feelings of thankfulness that we have by saying that God made the world and God is the giver of all good things because he's the fountain of all good. And so, therefore, to feel gratitude is itself evidence of God's existence, of God's presence. But if there is no God, well, your desire from time to time to show gratitude really doesn't, at the end of the day, make sense. Andrew Peterson is one of my favorite Christian singer-songwriters, and one of his best songs is called Don't You Want to Thank Someone? And I want to read a little bit from uh, this song. Here are a few lines in which he's I think very wonderfully making the point I'm trying to make. Here's what he writes. Can't you feel it in your bones? Something isn't right here. Something that you've always known, but you don't know why. Because every time the sun goes down, we face another night here, waiting for the world to spin around just to survive. But when you see the morning sun burning through a silver mist, don't you want to thank someone? Don't you want to thank someone for this? Don't you ever wonder why, in spite of all that's wrong here, there's still so much that goes so right? And beauty abounds. Because sometimes when you walk outside, the air is full of song here. The thunder rolls and the baby sighs and the rain comes down. And when you see that spring has come and it warms you like a mother's kiss, don't you want to thank someone? Don't you want to thank someone for this? His, His point, of course, is that the beauty and the goodness of the world is impulsively calling us beckoning us to thank God for who he is and for his goodness for us. That's one of the lessons that I think we should take away from this year and practice this week. So we see the command. Secondly, the context. Look at what Paul says in the verse. In everything or in all circumstances, give thanks. That's an important word for us to hear this morning. Back in chapter 3 of this same letter, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians about how happy and and encouraged he was at the report about them that his protege, Timothy, had brought to him. And he says in chapter 3, verse 9, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake? In other words, Paul's saying, I can't thank God enough for you. So 
the context of this command is that we should be thankful all the time. We should be thankful in favorable circumstances. Do you hear that? When things are going well for us, when things are going well for us, we should give thanks to our Father. Perhaps it's at times more difficult to be aware of God's presence and to be grateful to God when things are going well than when things are not going well. We can easily be numbed, I think, spiritually numbed by the blessings of life into a sort of assuming posture. So when things go well for you, the Spirit asks this morning, when you experience God's favor, do you thank Him? Do you express gratitude when you feel love for your children? Do you thank God? When you experience the beauty of this world, do you thank God? When you eat an amazing meal, do you thank God? There's a good reason beyond just cultural habits why we pray a prayer of thanksgiving before meals. It's it's reflexive, habit-forming thankfulness that's appropriate. We should give thanks in favorable circumstances, and we should give thanks in unfavorable circumstances. At the beginning of this letter, Paul writes, chapter 1, to the Thessalonians, you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. He's saying the Thessalonians were grateful. They were joyful in the middle of affliction, which is one of the hallmarks of a life following Jesus. There will be suffering. There will be trial. There will be heartache and heartbreak. And in the midst of it all, we can experience the joy of the Holy Spirit and be thankful to God. Why? Why should we be thankful in unfavorable circumstances? Well, because if we're believers in Jesus, we know that our circumstances are not just random. We know that our unfavorable experiences and the hard things in life aren't just hitting us because we drew the short straw in a godless universe. No, we know by faith that God is working all things for our ultimate good and ultimate joy. Now, that doesn't make everything good, of course, but it means that we can, by grace, live with gratitude, even when we're in pain, because there's a purpose and a plan for the unfavorable aspects of our lives. The novelist Evelyn Underhill writes, if God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. When you can't understand what's God, what God is doing in your life, can you still give him thanks? Scripture teaches, in fact, that the suffering, the hard things, the, the COVID years are precisely the tools that God uses to make us into the glorious people that we will one day certainly be. It's in the unfavorable circumstances where often God is most diligently, diligently at work forming you and shaping you into the image of Jesus. This, this week I was reading about how British shepherds, British shepherds will often out in the sheep fields take sheep or rams and one by one throw them into a, a dipping trough, this huge vat that's filled with this antiseptic liquid. And, and the shepherd must completely submerge each animal, holding even its ears and its eyes and its nose under the surface. And of course, sometimes the sheep are terrified and they'll buck and try to climb out. But the sheepdogs surround this vat and they bark and they snap to keep the animals inside. 
And of course, the shepherds do this for a reason. Without the periodic treatment that they're receiving, the sheep would be victims of parasites and diseases. It's for their good. The scripture is telling us in years like 2020 that we also have a shepherd. And our shepherd is one who loves us. And maybe this year you felt submerged in a vat of antiseptic liquid. But we know by faith that God submerges us to rid us of the parasites and the diseases of sin and self. How thankful have you been this year? This has been a year of unfavorable circumstances, not a shocking statement. It's been a year of collective trauma, as I've said each week during this series. And, and listen, without practicing thankfulness, without practicing gratitude, we run the risk of becoming resentful. We run the risk of becoming bitter. And listen, honestly, there's just so much we can resent this year, isn't there? So much we can be bitter about. Resentful of having to stay indoors. Resentful of people who don't wear masks or people who do wear masks. Resentful of the massive interruption that COVID has caused in all of our daily lives. So are you bitter? Is it festering in your heart? Are you bitter towards your family for not giving you enough space? Are are you bitter towards your work for not handling all of the new restrictions and policies in the way you would have handled them? Are Are you bitter at your friends for having different views than you do on politics and presidents and principles? Lay down the resentment, the Lord says. Lay down the bitterness. Give thanks in all circumstances. Remember what is good and what is true. You are loved. You have a father who cares for you and is powerful. You have not been abandoned by him. We're struggling, all of us, and we're in need of having grace extended. You've been given grace by God in Christ. You have people who love you and care for you. It's all really going to be well. So can you spend time this week coming up perhaps with a spiritual Thanksgiving board like my wife did for our family? It's it's medicine It's medicine for our often bitter spirits and for our resentful souls to give thanks in the good and in the hard because our shepherd has got us. The command, the context, lastly, Paul gives us a conclusion. I actually love how he concludes. He says two more things of note in this verse. First, he says, God's will is for you to give thanks. As a pastor, that might be the number one question I get. What's what does God want for me? That's a great question. Well, at least in this circumstance, you don't have to ask that. It's told to you right here in his revealed word. God's will for you is to give thanks, to live with gratitude. And then the second thing to note, I think answers the question that some of us might be asking ourselves right now. How? <laughs> it's easy for me to get up here and say, stop being bitter and give thanks. How do I do that? How am I supposed to move out of bitterness and move out of resentment and be grateful? I mean, that sounds good, but this year it's like a battering ram hitting me again and again and again. And I can't conjure up any gratitude, Luke. I can't get my spirit there. I can't alter my heart from one place to another. 2020 has just been too much. And listen, listen, there's such great and precious news For those of us who feel that way, the news is this. God has not left us without hope. 
and he has not left us without help. He's near to those. He's near to those who call on him. And right here, he gives us the the how. How can we be thankful? How can we grow in gratitude in the middle of such a puzzling year? Answer, be found in Christ Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Trust Jesus. What is most definitive of your 2020? What is most definitive of your 2020? It is not coronavirus. It is not all the struggles we're facing. It is not rioting in our city streets. It is not the presidential election. It's not any circumstance that you are in, whether it's good or bad. It is being in Christ. That's, that's Paul's favorite phrase to describe the gospel. He uses it hundreds of times in his letters. He uses it so frequently because he has experienced it. Remember Paul's story? He's walking one afternoon to Damascus when the resurrected Jesus Christ meets him on the road and in fact blinds him for a time due to the splendor of his glory. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul was able to piece it together. He had been persecuting Christians. He had been hunting Christians down, imprisoning them, executing them. And yet Jesus says to Paul, you're persecuting me. He said it to him because everything that Saul did to Jesus's people, Saul did to Jesus. Why? Because they are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, by our union with Jesus Christ, we have all the strength we need, all the resources we need, all the power we need to live from day to day and face whatever is thrown up against us. In Christ Jesus, we see elsewhere in the scripture, we cannot even die. That is who we are. And so because we relate to Jesus in that way, the Holy Spirit gives us an an explosion of thankfulness in our lives. He gives us the power to say no to bitterness and to rejoice in gratitude. We're, We're connected to Jesus in such a way that we're completely shielded by and surrounded by who he is. So there's nothing that hell or the devil or humans or anything can do to alter or degrade our security, our life, our eternity in God. So give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances, brothers and sisters, for this is the will of God for you in Christ. Let's pray.